What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Dragzine Podcast. I'm your host, Senior Editor Brian Wagner. This week on the show, we have 16-time world champion Mike Marillo. Mike, what's going on? What is going on? How are you, sir? Doing good, man. Doing good. Getting the uh, thrashing on vehicles like mad, trying to get some sort of racing season started. And you guys have already done some thrashing, continue to thrash as uh, the MPK uh, Tour starts, right? I, th- I think our thrashing started in the, at the end of last year and has been nonstop. And we actually were able to hit the road in beginning of April and haven't been home. So, uh, you know, we, we have been nonstop. This is the most work I've had to do in my career in a four-month period. And uh, I don't know if I'm liking it or not. Yeah, that's <laughs> – I always say, you know, everybody wants to be a gangster until it's time to do gangster things. And when, yes, right. <laughs> and when you're doing gangster stuff, it's it, it can get a little trying at times, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's – you know, I don't think unless you were with us, you know, almost 24-7, and actually really with any team. 24-7, I don't think most people understand everything that's involved. I mean, we're talking from logistics to, you know, making sure the RV and the truck and the trailer and, the, you know, the, forget about the race car, you know, just, just making sure that you have all of your stuff together so you can make it to where you're supposed to be going. So. It, it makes it it makes it very challenging at times. Well, I, I think to set the stage for this, we should tell the story that when I originally tried to get you on, you said that you were you were busy and you sent me a picture of a literal bear chassis. And I think you're like, we got to get this running in like a week. And most sane people would look at that and be like, that's a hard no dog. But, you know, in, in this world, you got to get it done. Well, it goes back even further than that. So let's go to the end of last year. So, you know, as being on the street outlaw cast which we absolutely love um you know it's very challenging because it's unlike nmra nmca nhra you know any of the p any of the a's you know to where you have a schedule and you know what you're going to be doing um oftentimes you know especially with the street racing stuff you don't know when it's going to happen where it's going to happen and you know that used to be kind of by design but here lately it's, it's been a matter of finding somewhere for us to go. So with that being said, at the end of last year, you know, we planned on running La Fonda, which is our, our, our OG car, our NPK car. Uh, we plan on running it on the street. We knew we were going to do some street racing. We knew that it was going to have to be in South United States somewhere, whether it be in Texas or uh, Arizona. You know, we knew it would have to be because it's going to go down in November, December. So long story short, the days kept coming and going, coming and going. And then it got to the point that, you know, we had a lot of work that we needed to do on La Fonda. And so, but it was going to take a good two or three months, you know, and unfortunately when you're running with street outlaws, you know, you don't have two or three months down. Um, and we obviously couldn't build another car. So, you know, we needed that time to really get our, our main car to where it needs to be so it can compete at MPK. So with that being said, we're waiting. Are we going to do the street thing? Are we going to do the street thing? So we finally got a mass text message that basically said, happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, happy new year. See y'all next year. I mean, Brian, I am not kidding you. Once we got that text message within 24 hours, our car was completely torn apart. 
I mean, we're talking not a lick of wiring on it. There was not a nut and bolt in it. It was a part and ready to get some major modifications done. So we're rolling forward. We get it dropped off at the chassis shop. Got parts coming in. And then all of a sudden, Finney, who's, who's, who's my buddy, Birdman, he sends me a text message that's something like to the effect, be ready January 5th. For what? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, for what? Be what? Be ready for what? And he said, we're supposed to go street racing. I said, son of, are you kidding me? I said, oh, my God, there's no way. I was like, well, there's just no way we can make this. You know what I mean? There's just absolutely no way. Our, you know, first of all, the whole back half of our car has been cut off. Not to mention, even if it wasn't, there's some major work that needs to be done on it. So, I mean, we're just going to have to miss this. You know what I mean? And the more we thought about it, the more we thought about it, say, man, we can't miss this. We can't miss this. So, Brian, we decided we need to buy a car. And hopefully we can find a car that's my brand. Obviously, I'm the Mustang guy, the Ford guy. And uh, we needed something that would be right down my, 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 my area, you know. But at the same time, you know, how much money are we going to have to come up with here? So a good friend of ours, one of our good sponsors, A1 Hose House, he said, man, you know, I got 20 grand to, to pitch into something, whatever you need, whatever you need to buy to go racing on the street. So we found a car down in Corpus Christi and we went down and looked at this thing and the guy that owned the car didn't have a freaking clue about it. He's, he had only owned it, I think for maybe a year, but he, you know, his dad bought it for him. He, he didn't know anything about it. Well, we go down there to look at it, Brian, and he must've told every one of his neighbors that I was coming to town. Oh boy. Because, I mean, it was almost like a freaking block party of, of, of people coming out and man, I'm just there to look at a car. And, uh, <laughs> Didn't, you know, sign, so he, didn't sign up for a meet and greet. Yeah, you know, I mean, this wasn't a meet and greet deal. I just want to, I want to look at this car, and you know, it's a, it's a Fox body. It's a hatchback. It's got a big block Ford in it. I mean, this is perfect, Brian. Perfect. He wants twenty grand for it. I mean, we can make this work, so we can go street racing. And so, but one of the things he said to me is, he said, you know, th- it's it's running. It runs, you know, five thirties naturally aspirated. And I said, okay, I figured you know some dope on it. You know, we can make it go faster and this can work for us. So I want to hear it run it. So he pushes the thing out of the garage into the driveway. And, um, and he was like, you know, well, here it is. I was like, all right, cool. Let's hear it. And he looked at kind of looked around and he said, well, I don't have a battery. I was like, okay. I mean, there's a bunch of vehicles around here. Let's get a battery in it. I mean, you know, you know what I mean, bro? I'm not leaving until I hear the car. Oh yeah. And so he says, then he tells me as he's putting a, his, one of his out of his Mustang, out of another Mustang, he's putting the battery in the car. He says, well, the carburetor leaks a little bit. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, you know, I said, all right, well, you know, let's, let's kind of play by ear and you know, see what happens. And, and so we see some fluid on the ground and I look down at the intake manifold. They pull the hood off. I look down in the intake and there's, there's water or something in the intake. And so I put my fingers down in what any hot rodder does and, smell it, taste it. It's just water. You know, he must've washed the vehicle off. So long story short, he, he charges it high compression motor. It does a couple room, room, and then pow, it bursts into flames. It ran for about three seconds and that son of a gun burst into flames. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is promising. So, anyway, so long story short, it, the fire system on the car has been deployed. There's nothing in it. Um, his neighbor, who was there for the block party, the, the, the meet and greet, comes across with his fire extinguisher, and, and he uh, completely empties it on the car, on the motor. And the motor has a diaper on it, so the diaper is still on fire, Brian. The, the fire has still not gone out. So then the guy grabs the garden hose and he puts the fire out. And so you just got to picture this. You got to picture the car smoldering. Uh, you know, it's the fire's barely out. The grass was on fire underneath it that was growing in the driveway. And I kind of snuggled up next to him and I said, this changes things. <laughs> <laughs> and man, he wasn't happy. And I tried to, I tried to knock the price down a little bit. And he says, nah, man, he goes, I'll knock $500 off so you can clean all the fire garden uh, <laughs> off of it. And I was like, what? I said, you've lost your mind. So we packed up our shit and we drove all the way back to San Antonio. And so long story short, we couldn't find a car in time. And, you know, that, that January 5th date was coming. So we ended up buying it. And that's how I got its name, Smokey. Because that sucker was on, was on fire and smoking the first time we ever saw it. <laughs> but, but we had seven, how many days? 17 from the time we got that car, we had 17 days to put something together. And I was hoping that I could just go out there pretty much with how it was. But, Brian, it was so choppa. I know you don't know what choppa is, but choppa is like, 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 like if I showed up with that, they'd be laughing at me, bro. They would, I mean, it's like, it's got gold chains on it. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's not going to work. You know, it's got flames and, it, well, shit, it had real flames too. Yeah. It, it, it had fake flames and, I mean, it was, don't get me wrong. It was it was a decent car, but it was definitely straight out of the early '90s, you know, '80s car. But so anyway, so we you know we put our old motor in it. And long story short, you know, our, we had three goals when we went to America's List, which is actually airing right now. Our first goal was to make it, make it there, and we did. Our second goal was to make it to the end. You know what I mean? Without breaking, without blowing up. And the third thing was, I just don't want to finish last. And so we were able to achieve all three of our goals and, you know, we didn't do great, but, you know, for what we had, we had Dave from Nitrous Outlet really hook us up. You know, that's the first time I ever did a major nitrous car like that. I mean, you know, I did a 150 shot before, but nothing like this. And so, you know, we're going to continue on with the car on America's list and it's going to stay, it's not going to be carbureted. Da Vinci hooked us up. I called Dan, you know, he's the best as far as I'm as concerned on carburetors. He, he got me something that was, ready to go i just couldn't find the fucking U sorry the usb ports on it i couldn't connect to it to get it to idle right you know what i mean i i spent 15 minutes on one side of it adjusting those screws and before somebody told me that there's two more on the other side of the carburetor so you know we're 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 gonna make that we've already made a fuel injection and but anyway so that was america's list car so once we got done with that we haven't even caught our breath when we're waiting on La Fonda to get done from the chassis shop. And we literally got that thing back 10 days before we had to leave. So that's what you're talking about that you saw. We got, we, we went straight from the, the uh, Greg Hubble race car straight from there over to our, our, our good buddy who does uh, coat of powder coating. And he powder coated a blue that same night. And we just were, hit the ground running we had tons of help but man it was we had a we had a day shift night shift and an in-between shift 
and uh, we were able to get it done. But hell, you know, here we are. We're on the road. You know, this was just a couple months ago. You know, and here, you know, we're on the road, and we're still trying to finish up La Fonda. I mean, when, when we first unloaded it to go try it out to go testing with the car, we 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 didn't even have Zeus fasteners on the thing as far as riveted in. They were all just there. You know what I mean? So it's been it's been extremely challenging. Uh, I got to say it's a lot of fun, but it's been a lot of work, and uh, we're just we're, we're still not there yet, you know. So, but we're here at Mooresville, and we got some new parts coming in, and we're going to keep rocking and rolling. That entire Smokey show, like that's playing through my mind as you describe it, is like one of those animated YouTube comedy videos of like just oh yeah like oh yeah just in my mind I could see all of that happening, and just the only thing I could think of is like that is the most Mike Marillo story I've heard in a while. Like that is just that that's definition right there. <laughs> and then to add a little more to it. So the, the guy is just completely unreasonable. Um, he, 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 now if I would have known this, thank God I didn't, but if I would have known this, so when we left after a caught on fire, cause he didn't accept my, my offer, um, we went home and of course we're looking for something else. Well, what I didn't know was he put on the internet Hey, looking for an attorney to sue Mike Marilla because he made me start my car when I told him that the carburetor was leaking and it caught on fire. And so I'm not even kidding about this, Brian. So I'm thank God I didn't see it. Thank God that I guess we weren't friends on Facebook. Nobody told me about it until we picked the car up and brought it home. And then somebody said, I can't believe you bought that. That's the guy that was going to sue you. What? <laughs> you know what I mean? Is this real life? And then, then he said we ruined it because we painted it all black. It looks like shit. He completely hates it now. <laughs> I had to look that dude straight in the eye and be like, listen, man, there's nothing in the Kelly Blue Book about when this thing catches on fire in front of me, how much the price comes down. You know? Uh. It truly was comical. It truly is. <laughs> that, yeah, that that right there is another reason why Discovery just needs to, like, they need to have a crew with you at all times because well, I know. I mean, th that just know, that needs to happen. Well, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to get, you know, the beautiful thing about discovery and, and Pilgrim right now is that, you know, they're allowing us as cast members on the show to really venture out and build a brand. And, you know, th and that means a lot because there's a lot of, you know, big TV shows that, you know, most of the people don't even own their own names, if you know what I'm saying. So, you know, that's the good thing about, you know, what we're doing is that they're allowing us to build a brand. We just got to take advantage of it. You know what I mean? I, we need to have somebody with us full time to just film the stupid shit that happens to us on a daily basis. It's always something, you know. I mean, my friends and family tell me I got to write a book, but, you, you know, the older I'm getting, the more shit I'm forgetting. And they need to, uh, you know, they need to remind me of it you know what i mean so we can go back and reenact it but you know it's it's but it's definitely one of those deals that man it, you know most teams are like that you know if, if there was just a camera crew with us at all times there'd be subject matter for days oh well, the, you know look what happened to finney on his road trip back after the accident the door flies off the totterholm and they stop at lowe's and put a house door on it i mean that, that, is, that is the craziest thing that guy and, and we travel together we could have one youtube guy just doing finney and i and and he would you know we, we'd have once again subject for days i mean he's got a he finally got a beautiful toter 
and they already broke the damn door lock on it. And so there's a hole in the side of his toter where the <laughs> big square lock goes, and they have a bungee cord going from the inside to hold it shut as they're going down the highway. I mean, at least they put a bungee cord on it. <laughs> <laughs> but he, but I, they, I know they fixed that today. They finally they got one in, but, you know, of course, the, the one that they really needed was, uh, what do they call that? Uh, it's obsolete, so they had to buy a... Uh, you make it fit when the, so they got in there and they got it working. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, man, it's, you know, like I told you before we even started recording, you know, there's so many things that we can complain about and, you know, oh me, oh my, this sucks. But man, we literally, you are, I am, my, my crew is, my wife, we're living somebody's dream. You know, there's somebody that would give anything to do what we do and we're fortunate enough to do full time for a living and make money from it. Oh yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I look at it the same way that, you know, I get basically paid to play race car. Sure. There's some, you know, right. sure. There's some hard days, but when it comes down to it, you know, I'm looking at my calendar and I'm thinking, you know, wow, my month of June's going to be packed. You know, I do Midwest drag week. I have an off week. Then I go to the NHRA race and I'll probably go racing myself during the off week. You know, that's, yep. that's a pretty, yep. pretty tough thing to have, you know? Yep. Yep. It is. And you know, it, the thing about it is, you know, they tell you when you're growing up, if you ever do something that you love, you'll never have a job. And, you know, you think about it, you know, like, you know, just putting Smokey together in La Fonda, I mean, with no exaggeration, you know, I just turned 54 years old a few days ago and, I was literally working 14, 16 hour days straight for two or three months. But if that would have been a real job, there's no way I would have made it. No. You know what I'm saying? There's just no way. I mean, I just, I quit, you know, I'm not doing this, you know, so, but, but you know, when it's something that you're so passionate about and you love and it's, and it's in your, it's in your blood. I mean, it's, it's so much easier to do the hard work, but it is hard work either way. Well, let's jump in the, the hot tub time machine, you know, and let's go back even further. You know, you kind of started out in this whole gig almost by accident, which again is absolutely an amazing story in amongst itself. But you're one of the people that I akin to maybe like someone like a, you know, like a Corey McLenathan that, you know, I've interviewed where he's been through a lot of the stages of nitro racing as it's kind of evolved. Well, You've been a part of this, we'll call it the new wave of outlaw racers, you know, with the Fox Body Mustang stuff and where it started, you know, burning chips and running e-cams right. to yep. what we see now. Yep. What's that yep. trip? Like, have you ever thought about that and been like, man, this has been like, looking at what well, you have now versus what you started with. What's that like? Yeah, I, I do. And, and, you know, one of the things I used to look at, even when I first got into this, was I noticed that all my heroes were fading off. And most of it had to do with technology. You know, as technology comes and goes, you know, it's hard to, especially when you get older, it's hard to learn new tricks because you're so stuck in your ways and, and things that have worked in the past. And you're like, this is going to work now, but it doesn't. And so, I, you know, I, I can't speak for anybody, but, you know, so many of my heroes when I was growing up that were, you know, that I looked up to, they, they aren't, they aren't even in, in this anymore. They don't do it anymore. Of course, maybe they're just smart, but, yeah. but, but you know what I'm saying? But I think a lot of it, you just, you know, and, and you kind of get driven out of it because you don't want to learn new stuff. And so luckily for me, I'm dumb enough to, to realize that I don't know a 
whole lot and I don't know it all. And so I'm constantly wanting to learn. And, you know, there's, there's always a challenge, you know, I mean, everything we've ever done has been a challenge. You know, we decided after we won our 14th championship, you know, we decided, Hey, let's, you know, go, go try this no prep racing or the street outlaw type stuff and see where it takes us. I mean, look what it did for Lutz. You know, he's a huge superstar now. And, you know, it was something we wanted to get into. And, man, I sucked. I mean, I was horrible at it for years. And I can't even say that I'm good now, but I, I, was, I was good at one time. You know what I mean? But, I mean, all these cars keep getting faster. And, you know, if you don't stay up with technology, you get left behind. And, you know, we're kind of in that situation right now. But, but I'm finally at a point. I mean, I feel like, you know, I'm in the fourth quarter of my career. And I'm going to do this and we're going to have fun and I want my family involved. And if I can't, then I don't want to do it anymore. And, you know, one of the things is, you know, we love turbo stuff. We've always loved turbo stuff and I want to stay turbo. You see the trend is Procharger right now and Procharger and Hemis. And, you know, these guys are flying. I mean, they are absolutely flying, Brian. But I feel like I can compete. You know, I'm still running a big block Ford. We're still running a turbo. But we just have to get up with the new technology that's out there. And that's what we've really been trying to do this year. It's funny you say that because, you know, look at NHRA Pro Mod Racing. Turbos were declared dead. Dead to the world in Pro Mod. And then this guy by the name of Lyle Barnett shows up and says, I don't think so, my friend. And goes out and wins two events last year in his rookie year and damn near wins the four wides this weekend. And it just goes to show that determination and hard work yes. will overcome just about yes. anything. Yep. And I'm actually, I think I'm in his hometown right now, or I'm, I'm in his tuner's hometown. We're at Mo- Mooresville. We just literally pulled into the track and uh, we're going to be doing some testing this weekend, getting ready for Maple Grove. But I'm hoping I can hook up with Lyle. Man, I love Lyle to death. Every time I see him or I see him on Facebook, I give him props. But uh, that man's been through a lot. But look at him. I mean, he is, he is prospering. He is, he is dominating. I mean, he is doing what everybody probably told him that he couldn't do. I think you and Lyle would make another, like, that'd be just a great show because your your senses of humor would be like force multipliers and how you say I things. Know. It would be, have you seen, oh. Have you seen that piece of crap beer money? He, <laughs> that thing is so funny. I, I told him we were at the last race. We were at the last NPK race and, and I said, man, I just heard him say, I know it looks like a piece of crap, but it's fast. I said, they're talking about Lyle's car. I know they are. <laughs> and I told him that, and he was laughing. Him and his dad were cracking up. But, but I mean, that is just so cool. That car, that little small tire car gets it, you know. But yeah, he is something else, man. That, that dude, I wish I, could, I wish I could hang out and party with him more often. It was funny watching him on the show, being a part of that when they built that car. And everything that it went into that final race was just that's like a a Disney movie on how that ended. Yes. And the thing and the thing is, some of those cars have kind of from the show have disappeared. But those boys, they they beat on that thing like a stolen rental car. Yeah, they did. Yep. And I I keep every time I see Dean, I keep asking him. I'm like, when's Dr. Rodnocker coming back out? You know, you need to bring that thing out because that was a fan favorite (laughs) car. That thing that again is you talk about a car that fits the man. That thing is it. I I think, you know, I think Lyle would be the perfect character in a street outlaw. 
I mean, you know, let's be honest. The, the, it's a TV show. That doesn't mean the shit's fake. It, it, it's just a TV show. So they have to have characters. And I think he is absolutely perfect for, for what this show's about. And uh, I just hope we see him at uh, more of the, the, the small tire stuff. And, you know, if, if he, if he, ever decides he wants to build a big tire car i think that you know he would fit in so well but man he's got he's got things that he's uh working on right now i know his his pro mod deal is working out great but man he's just something else man he's he's one of he's one of my heroes right now so looking at someone like lyle is that someone that you see a lot of yourself in kind of in the past on you know just the the bare knuckle drivenness to to just race just unhinged Yes. I mean, I've never, I mean, I, I look at him and first of all, I, I, I've never known him or I've known of him, but I, but I was never in the drag radio world and I'm still not in the drag radio world and I never will be, but I didn't really know of him until he had his horrible accident. Um, and, you know, for him to come back the way that he did, the way, the way that he did, but the thing about Lyle is his sense of humor. I mean, he's, he is just the perfect package when it comes to competitiveness, sense of humor. I mean, he'll take it on the chin. He, he doesn't have an ego. I mean, he's just, he's a joy to be around and to watch. You know what I mean? And, and that's what, that's what this, whether it be street outlaws, NHRA, whether it be PDRA, any of the, any of these events, that's what they need more of are people like Lyle. Oh, people get big mad when I tell them this and they don't, that they don't like to hear the truth is that the reason why no prep Kings and street outlaws is so popular is the personalities it plugged in Absolutely. to where the attitude era of WWF, you know, that male demographic, you replace the wrestling with cars because the bumps are real in yep. WWF, yep. you know, yep. the racing's real, but the drama at some point kind of like, not really scripted, but it's uh, it's pushed along. And I've seen again. Yes. I I tell people like I've been to these. I see how this stuff is done. I see how these like this is put together. Yeah, it's a TV show where a race breaks out, and that's yes. what drives it. That's what makes it compelling. Yes, and and you 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 hit it, and you said it exactly how it is. I mean, there has never been a situation, and I, I say this on my on my, the heads of all my children, there has never been a situation that I have seen was fabricated that they have never made us say, okay, this is how we want it to go down. This is who needs to win. It's never been any of that, but I'll tell you what, there has been so much drama that they've been able to capture that actually was natural. Now, don't get me wrong. There's stuff that you know, let's say that uh, we have a spark of, of, of something that's going on. You know, don't get me wrong. They'll be the first ones to throw a, a cup of gasoline on it. Okay. Yeah. So, but it, it's all naturally is, is, is happening or has happened. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of people miss that or they think otherwise. And I'm here to tell you, it's just not true. Um, you know, there, there, there's been times that they want me to talk about things and they want me to, to, to something that's happened, whether it be controversy. And, you know, there's been times that I just say no. I mean, it, it needs to stop where it has stopped and that's it. It's over. And they haven't given me a hard time or or or, uh, you know, I haven't paid the price because of it. It's just but at the same time, you know, you we have to also give them what they need to. 
to stay on the air. I mean, if it's not interesting, who's going to watch it? You know what I mean? It's got to be interesting. And, you know, I can tell you this, Murder Nova and Chief taught me something many years ago when I first had the opportunity to hang out with them for about a year. Is I remember being in their shop, Brian, and, you know, I'm a very sensitive person. I wear my emotions on my sleeve, and I care what people think about me. And I remember we were just sitting in their in their shop, and Murder Nova's reading what people are saying about him on the Internet. And he's just, have you ever heard him laugh? He's got this laugh that's just contagious. Yeah. And he's just sitting there laughing, reading this stuff. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. I mean, if somebody said that about me, I would be like floored. I'd be like, oh, are you kidding? I mean, and he's just laughing. And I, and I, man, I, my, Brian, I couldn't grasp it. And then finally, you know, there were several times that that happened. He said, listen to what this guy said. Murder Nova, you are such an idiot, blah, blah, blah. And he's just laughing. I go, why is that okay with you? And he said, let me tell you something. He goes, if you don't have the haters, he goes, you ain't doing it right. And I was like, what do you mean? He says, you have to have the haters. When you watch the show, if, for instance, Daddy Dave, he's an a-hole. I mean, I personally am not friends with him, and I will probably never be good friends with him because he is truly an a-hole. And, but you know what? There are people that love him because of it, and there are people that hate him because of it. You know, people think that farm truck and Asian are the dumbest thing they've ever seen, but then you have 10 other people that love what they see. With, In other words, you pick and choose who your heroes are and your villains are, and that's what makes a good show. And that's what they've continued to be able to do, whether it be the street stuff or whether it be NPK. So, I mean, you got to have, you know, from my personal standpoint, like Lisa, my wife, she cannot stand when people talk crap. It bugs her. And then, you know, she's like an elephant. She won't forget. You know, I'll, I'll forgive people. I mean, look at look at Chuck. Chuck and I have gotten into it. I can't tell you how many times. And But at the same time, I mean, these are people that I work with every day. And. You know, I don't like to live my life being mad at somebody. You know what I mean? I, I, it's just I'm, I'm wired a little bit different. I like to have a good time. And, you know, you can't have a good time if you got two or three guys that you just want to beat up every time you see them. Yeah. You, you, again, it, it's, it, it taps into that kind of competitive edge of drag racing, too, which, again, is what makes the, it, it works with the show is, you know, you're, you're friends with guys. Everybody's friends until three bulbs are lit. That's the yes. best way to describe it. Yes, absolutely. You know, yeah, you're my teammate, but sorry, I'm about to, you know, do something very upsetting to you to yep. get this round win. Yep. I mean, and, and that's how it has to be. And that's how it was in Fun Ford Weekend, NMRA, NMC. I mean, you think about back in the in the roots, you know, back when I first started, I mean, I was friends with all these guys, and we competed big time against one another, and it was just – it was no holds barred when we raced each other, but then we'd go out to dinner with each other afterwards, you know, and then that's how it is in most of the sports, you know, most of the NHRA, you know, NMCA, NMRA, I mean, all the ones that are out there, that's how it used to be, or that's how it is now. And that's how it should be is what I meant to say. Oh, we we've helped in the past. We've helped competitors fix cars that we had to run the next yep. round because, you know, we're, we want to yep. beat you out on the track. That That's how, so, you know, so, so, that's how so it was to be. So, so, so Mark Mickey and I, of course, he had uh, what was the guy's name that was driving driving for him? Eric. Uh, was there, uh, 
I forget who he had driving for him at one point. Anyways, Eric, Eric even came out and helped me one time, came all the way to San Antonio. I can't believe I'm forgetting his last name right now. But anyways, Eric and Mark Mickey on, on the Malibu, you know, the, the world-famous Malibu, we were neck and neck in points for NMCA championship, and I think it was 2011 or 2012. And I broke something on the car. I think I heard a piston. I heard something. And would you believe that Eric and Mark – literally helped me pull my motor apart and fixed my car because I'm not an engine builder. Mark fixed my car and we beat them that race. Yeah. I mean, that, this, this is just, I mean, that's how it, that that's, that's how it's supposed to be. Oh yeah. You know, you, you look at a couple of years ago at Tyler Crossnose race, the outlaw street car, you know, where Mark Mickey literally drove over the crank in his car like yeah. pushing that thing back the pits. I hear something scraping. I'm like, <laughs> what the hell scraping? Come to find out, it's like the diaper scraping on the ground because the crank has been pushed completely out of the engine. It's torn apart. And you'd have thought that there was three and a half top fuel teams working on that car so he could make, he had to buy the next round. He had to break the beams. Of course, I'd do it its own power. They got, yep. they hustled and got that thing up there just so he could keep going on a race. And I think he had to race someone that even helped work on the car. Oh yeah, Eric LaFerre. That's that's my Eric. That's, oh. that's Eric. That's my guy. Yeah, good. Eric, if you listen to this, I'm sorry, I forgot your name. Uh, sometimes I forget Lisa's name, so don't be mad at me. You know that's that's kind of interesting. That you know you you talk about beating competitors and you know kind of how it all ties together. You know, being being we're not going to use the word frenemies, but you know, friends and competitive with people. Looking back now, since you've kind of joined the the no prep brethren what's been the biggest difference you've noticed between in the no prep world versus you know the association level racing well actually there's several things um you know probably the biggest thing is that you know the show itself has has really pushed us into the the team deal and you know typically teams are made up of team members that you want to be team members with correct yeah you know in other words like you know i could be teammates with manny beginga and carlo cantalanada you know he's from louisiana and you know manny's from east wherever he's from um you know we could be teammates because you know that's what we did back in the day but you know with street outlaws you know they they want you to be teammates with your own texas teammates with your own 405 teammates or with your own uh, Detroit guys, you know, California guys. And so not saying that there's anybody on our team that I would not want to be teammates with, but you know, that's a little bit different, you know what I mean? Than what we were, what we were used to. And, and, you know, and, and the other thing would be, you know, team, the, the team aspect alone is, you know, drag racing is almost like, you know, playing tennis, you know, you're the only one out there playing that other person, you know, when it comes down to it, when it's time to compete, and so, you know, the teammate stuff has been completely different. You know, there, you know, I have, you know, thank goodness, you know, but, you know, Birdman, let me tell you something about Birdman real quick is, you know, you know, he is a dominating figure for grudge racing, no prep. And yes, he has struggled over the last two or three years. He's had some accidents, but man, there ain't no quit in that man's body. I mean, there is no quit in him. And, you know, many years ago, you know, and literally right after he won 
season one, which he was not supposed to win. They didn't want him to win. They made him, they wouldn't even let him come out the first race. They wanted him to miss one so he couldn't come out and just dominate, but he did anyways. And he won the championship. But, you know, we were struggling. Remember I told you we sucked at the beginning. We did. I mean, we couldn't, I couldn't hit my, my butt with both hands. And so, but, you know, he literally took me under his wing and we weren't even close friends at the time. We just were in the same arena together. And he said, man, I hate to see you struggle like this. He goes, I see how hard you're trying. And man, he, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have won season two championship. I mean, he literally gave me advice, gave me uh, converter combinations. I mean, you, you name it, whatever I needed, he gave, he helped us with. And, you know, and I'll never forget that. I'm a very loyal person, you know. And so I have seen, you know, over the years, you know, you know, because he struggled and so have we, that, you know, I, I see the friends and the so-called fans that are falling by the wayside just because he's he's not doing good right now. But, but man, I'm not wired like that. You know what I mean? That, that, that's, that's my boy right there. I, I don't care. He, he can do no wrong in my eyes, you know, but you know, the other, the other close figure that I have is, you know, Scott Taylor, you know, Scott Taylor and I started dirty South no prep together and Scott and I are, I consider brothers. I mean, we're very close, but because of this team thing, we have not been able to be as close as we used to be because we can't pit together. You know what I mean? They, I, I can't say they don't want us to mingle together, but, but, you know, they make it to where, when I say they, the show makes it to where it, it's, it's, it's not as easy to be close with somebody that's not on your team, if that makes any sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that, that's, that's some of the struggles in, involved, but, but, but overall, I mean, helping one another, that still goes even with no prep games. I mean, there, I don't know of anybody that wouldn't have a part that wouldn't loan me, wouldn't loan Birdman, or we wouldn't loan them either. You know what I mean? So, you know, all of that camaraderie is still there as far as I'm concerned, but it's just kind of different with the team aspect, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, again, it kind of harkens back to the whole, uh, the whole wrestling analogy that, you know, back in the day that the heels had to remain a heel and yes, the faces yes. had to remain a face no matter what at all times that, you know, they, they had to, they had to be in character even when they, you know, weren't in the ring. And it, right. it again, it plays again into this whole ecosystem that they've built at, you know, with the show and again, it makes when you see it all click together, it makes sense. You know, let's last year my my latest experience in No Prep Kings was last year at National Trail Raceway. That's the most I've ever seen that place packed in a very long time yep. with fans. And yep. just it reiterated what I've seen with this the I call it the no prep culture, is just how fan centric it really, really yes. is. Yes. And, 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 you know, me coming from my background and, you know, I was, you know, I won a street outlaw class world championship several times before street outlaws was even a show. But I can tell you this, the whole landscape of drag racing changed when Discovery Pilgrim started that little show called the street outlaws that they never thought would do any good. Uh, Discovery didn't even think that it would do any good. But, you know, Pilgrim had the faith, you know, Sam had the faith and, you know, here we are today and whether they like it or not, you know, Street Outlaws has brought so many more racing fans to the forefront that were not here, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. And I, I try to remain 
objective. At first, I thought no prep racing was dumb, and then I went to my first no prep racing which race, which was a Dirty South race at Hub City. God rest yep. its soul. Again, character is the only way to just describe that whole scenario, and it made sense from then f- there forward. And right. look at it now here at Dragzine. We're looking at even some of like the smaller regional back of the track no prep races that we're trying to go to just for the simple fact that that's what people like. That's where yeah, the, the fans are like, it. you know, they had 50 plus cars show up to a back of the track race here in Ohio. They had like 38 small tire cars last weekend show up to this deal. You know, yep. that's that's a pretty solid car count. Yep, it is. You know, because because you have a mixture of, yes, it's drag racing, Brian, but you have a mixture of grudge along with the danger of it being a no prep. I mean, I don't care what anybody tells you. It may not be that way as much today as it was back then, but people, a lot of people went to a no prep race because they knew there were going to be crashes. I don't care what anybody says. That's why they went. That's they, they wanted. They didn't wish the train wreck, but they wanted to be there when it happened. And, you know, that's truly why it has grown because, you know, it was like NASCAR back in the day. You know, how many people go to NASCAR back in the day because they knew there was going to be some crazy ass accidents? You know what I mean? Yeah. It is just it's just a lot of entertainment. And, you know, that's kind of, you know, it's sketchy. It's scary. And then if you add some characters to it, I mean, you got a winning TV show. Yeah, it's, you know, when I'm kind of looking at the tea leaves and seeing what's happening in, in, in the drag racing scene and no prep has really dug out a nice niche for itself. Yes. And, and on the same side of that, the dragon drive events are like they're in that staging area where no prep racing was about four or five years ago. Yes, I agree. And again, it's one of those things that until you go to a dragon drive event, you don't get it. It's, Half those individuals that do that are sadomasochists. I am thoroughly right. convinced. They just, they like right. punishment. Yep. Whether yep. it's working on their stuff or driving something on the street, you know, it's funny. You, you want to trigger a lot of people on the internet, call something a street car that they don't think is a street car. Right. People lose their minds. I am yep. of the mindset yep. is that anything can be a street car if you're brave enough. Oh and, yeah, no doubt. You know, would I drive a funny car caged car a thousand plus miles over a week? No. Other yeah, people, right. <laughs> you know, bra- head versus halo bar, you know, your brain's not going to win. But yeah. after, like, I follow all a sick week and I'm like, this now makes 200% sense. And it just, it's more of a participatory kind of edge yes. and vibe versus like with the no prep Kings where it's the fans want to be there and do it. The people do the drag and drive stuff because it is fun and you get to go out and yeah. do what you love. Yes. And then the other thing I wanted to touch on, which is kind of off subject, but not really is that I, I, I am completely um, scared, nervous looking and watching all these tracks closing down. Yes. Um, and I, I, I hate seeing it. We were just in Palm Beach. I know that they're still fighting for that track. But, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I, and this may sound crazy and the listeners may think it's crazy, but I feel like racetracks should be treated like parks. You know, you shouldn't be able to just buy a park and put a building, uh, you know, uh, storage buildings on it. I mean, 
you know, I feel like racetracks are there. They're, 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 they should be protected from huge developers and not every racetrack, but you know, the, the ones that have been here for a long time and the ones that don't have the, all these houses starting to close in on them. And, um, but you know, like Palm beach is a perfect example. It should not be turned into warehouses. I mean, there's no track near those people within, I think it's a hundred or 200 miles. Close. I mean, going to be Orlando these, or Bradenton. These kids, you know, this is where they go on. I think they have Thursday night drags or Friday night. Set. I mean, this is where these kids go. I mean, I have a 22 year old son that don't get me wrong. He goes out in street races from time to time, but he loves going to the track. And, you know, our track shut down in San Antonio. We don't have a track anymore. You know, and, and it's going to be developed by, I believe, Toyota, you know. And, and so, I mean, this is just happening at a staggering pace all over the country. And uh, I just wish something more could be done about it because I just hate seeing it. I have an answer for that, Mike. And people are not going to like what I have to say right now. Stop complaining about your local track and bashing it. Go and support it. I know it's easy to get on Facebook and run your fingers about, you know, the cost of testing tune went up five bucks and back in my day it was this and a Coke costs this much now. It costs money to run these tracks, people. Support yeah, your local it tracks. Absolutely does. But 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 I believe the biggest problem is these track owners are no longer your your individual track owners. You have corporate companies that have come in and bought this and whether they had planned on doing this or whether it just was a, uh, just happened to happen, but you know, they're selling this land for multi millions of dollars that you just can't pass up. Oh, it's yeah. hard to pass up. And, and I feel like, you know, because of so much money is being offered for this land that you just, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I, I just feel like somehow the tracks should be protected under some type of law that uh, you can't just, you know, sell your property and, and put a bunch of storage buildings on it. It I don't know. Oh, no, it, it makes sense. And, you know, it's one of those deals where the track's worth more dead than it is alive. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. You no know, doubt. M money talks, you know. you And, again, to me, that ties back into the constant track bashing and promoter bashing because think about it. You yep. run a business and people are constantly wearing you out over things that are outside of your control or they don't understand what it takes to run a track. And then Amazon comes in and Uncle Jeff Bezos says, yep. how about I take that off your hands for, you know, a couple million dollars? Yep. And a, I agree. And, you know, you look at, you're looking at your inbox and it's full of people hating you and complaining. Yep. And you're looking at that check with all those zeros. And you're like, you know what? I could take yep. this money, relax a little, start another business where I don't get yelled at by my customers. Yep. Yep. And have enough money for your whole family. Yep. I mean, it's just staggering you know, what this, what these, what these land is going for. I mean, you know, you, like for instance, San Antonio, if, if you wanted to just buy the track outright, you know, you could probably pick it up for a couple million. But when you have investors come in saying, man, we'll give you $8 million because of all the land that you have. I mean, how do you, how do you compete with that? You can't compete with that. No, no other smart individual who wants to run a track is going to spend eight to $9 million for it. No. He'll never make a dime. No. And though, and then on the flip side of it, though, we are seeing some tracks like the North Florida Motorplex. And then, you know, that that was a track that what it it needed some extra spark. 
And right. the guy that came in and the, the family that came in and purchased that, they are dumping a lot into it and they're taking it to another level. You know, they're, they're taking what the previous owner wanted to do and they're making it a reality, which is awesome. And then you look awesome. at Thompson Motorsports Park up in Northeast Ohio. I grew up at, I was raised at that track practically. And, you know, that track was in, it was in a heap and hurt and trouble in a local trucking company that was in the motorsports. They came in and they are just, they're th- like just legit throwing money at this track. I think they just went through the, they went through the comment section, I think of the Facebook page and said, what are people complaining about? All right, let's fix that. It's right. It's awesome to see. Right. Well, well, that, that, that's, that's a good story to hear. Unfortunately, there's, there's probably three or four bad track ending stories to every good one that's out there now. And it needs to be the other way around. And again, here's something else that we're going to tie this into where the street outlaws plays in. I remember when you and Dean did a little something here at the local kill care track and packed that place out. Like yes. the, the booked in shows, you know, Reaper went to a local track up here when the street outlaw guys comes to, comes to ta- come to town, you guys put f- people in the seats and it's a lot yes. like the old school NHRA days, yes. which is another remember, huge benefit to the show. Yep. Remember when big daddy and, in fact, my wife said that she was a little girl and she went to Alamo Dragway there in San Antonio, God rest its soul. But, uh, you know, Shirley Muldowney was there, Big Daddy Don Garlitz. And, you know, it, it, you know that was cool back in the day. You know, that was before I was even into drag race. And I didn't get into drag race until the early 90s and my early 20s. But but long story short, I mean, that, that is cool. That's how that's how I feel like some of the street outlaw guys are today you know what i mean they come to the track and there's a lot of people that want to come out and see us and 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 see us do our dumb stuff that we normally do so it, it's you know that's it's always good to see and to me i think that drag racing is a sport actually motorsports in general but i'll say drag racing in particular is something that it needs to be experienced in person just because yes, of the no sights, sight smells and feels yes no doubt and they're like, you know, when you're driving down the road trying to kill time and you're thinking through your mind, at least this is what I do. You know, what would I do if I won the lottery? What would I build? I would build a pro mod. The reason why is you can spit and hit a pro mod race anywhere. More, yes. more tracks need to take advantage of that. They need to do eight car shootouts with pro mods yes. and even top dragsters. Those would be great shows that people would come check out. Yep. Yep. I think I, I, I don't know. You know, unfortunately, my head has been in the sand with the street outlaw scene for the past three or four years, just how busy I am. But, you know, back before that, my favorite class is still pro mod. And I'll never, ever, you can never convince me any different that pro mod does not get the attention they deserve. I mean, it is the most wild, um, most wild class car, door cars. I mean, that's where it's at. And I I just wish NHRA would take more advantage of that. And, And I feel like, they think it's going to take some wind away from, you know, their top fuel classes and it, and it might, but, you know, I'll never forget going to, uh, I, I believe we were, we were in uh, Las Vegas and that was kind of when the pro mods had just started. And, you know, that's my class, you know, and I'll never forget when the pro mods came up, I think they came up right after pro stock did. And I, I could not believe Brian, the people that were leaving the stands after pro stock, when the pro mods come up, I'm like, where are you going? Have you lost your mind? I mean, this, these guys are nuts. You know what I mean? I mean, 
these guys are literally crazy strapping themselves to, you know, five, 6,000 horsepower door car. And, you know, and, and I can see it's gotten better, but I feel like there's still too many politics in the NHRA pro mod arena. They're just way too many politics. You know, and NHRA is one of those things where you say that in some people, that's a four letter word. They hate the NHRA, but the NHRA is a vital part of our sport. Absolutely. Sometimes they make decisions that are a little bit, they leave you scratching your head. But here's the other thing, though, is (laughs) I love dirt track racing. Like if I had lottery money, I would have a dirt late model and people to fix it after I flip it because I would flip it multiple times. <laughs> fix it after I flip it. <laughs> like, because if you watch me on iRacing, when I'm in a dirt track late model, you know, I hit everything but the pace truck. That's just how I roll. <laughs> but you you look at those forms of racing and there's, there's controversy in all forms of racing. Like there's absolutely like, yeah. sanctioning bodies for some reason i guess it harkens back to if you think about it most racers are that rebellious outlaw personality and they don't like authority even though it's good for them they don't like when they were in school they were probably at odds with the principal and they were college they were odds with the dean they're racing they don't like the organization you know it's just it's that mentality yeah but you you need you need a parental advisory board to keep you safe and keep you in check yes i agree because Otherwise, racers are, um, I mean, I'm sure you, you agree with this con, con is uh, sometimes that uh, we are not our, uh, we're not at our best when it comes to what's good for our, our health or safety. No. You can't have racers making the rules. That's for damn sure. No, that's how you end up with, that's how you end up with turbos inside vehicles, which that one guy that had that car, that no prep car with the turbos inside the car. Yeah, that, 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 that's our, that's our. That's our Texas teammate, Fabian Bill. That boy is nuts. He is crazy. I mean, he survived uh, He survived a death-defying caught on fire when he was younger. And ever since then, I guess he just doesn't give a dang. And uh, he's crazy. I mean, to have that turbo sitting next to him. But thank God he came to his senses. Uh, well, he only came to his senses because they wouldn't let him run it. But, <laughs> you know, but, but basically he... He got it out of that front seat and put it somewhere else. But, yeah, that's Fabian Bell, man. We love him to death. He's, he's part of Team Texas. Someone sent me that picture. Like, what do you think of this? I said, <laughs> um, I mean, that's some cool fab work. But, uh, obviously, someone is very confident in their fabricator and must have a oh, really yeah. good life insurance policy because, you know, Mike, I've seen what happens when a turbo goes boom. And it's it's not something I want to have that close to me, you know. Oh, no. I mean, I tell you, see, he's from Houston, and him and Birdman have been friends for years, and I think they both got brain damage from the same thing because they both are crazy. I mean, those two are, are two of the most gangster drag racers, and Frankie Taylor right there also oh. from Houston, Texas. I mean, they are just freaking nuts. I mean, nothing scares them. I mean, you know, Birdman, he crashed his car. I mean, I don't know if you remember seeing that episode, but I'm literally on the starting line. I am crying because I think he's dead. I mean, it was horrible. I couldn't even go down there. And they pull his little ass out of the car by his shoulders. And the first thing he does after they get his helmet off, he looks up and says, did, did I win? Who I think, does that? I figured he'd light up a cigarette. <laughs> I mean, that's gangster. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> I mean, just no fear in him whatsoever. Yeah, Fr- Frankie Taylor, like, 
he's one of those people I always love talking to him because one, I'm going to learn something and two, I'm going to laugh because that dude, he's on the chip and ready to rip at all times. And it's awesome. Yep. Yep. And his his brother's totally the opposite. And that's why they do so good together. His brother's a serious one and, and he's, he's, he's on the chip also, but Frankie is, he's another character that would have done so well if we could have got him on, you know, the street outlaws franchise. Cause he's, just like what I was talking about. I mean, he is a co- extreme competitor, but he is a funny SOB. Oh, I mean, that, he is fun to be around. That dude, I swear to God, he you know he'd put money on the race that he's racing, and then he'd bet his crew guys and beat you to the top end. And, and when you race the the tow vehicles down to the top of the, the track, yeah, oh yeah. I was I was at the track one day. True story. He bet his rent money. If he would have lost this race. He could not pay is either his his house bill or it was his shop, but he took the rent money or the uh, payment money, whatever he had to the track and was grudge racing somebody. And thank God he won because if if he would have lost, then he wasn't paying rent that month. I mean, that's crazy. I know that's more common nowadays, but back in the day when I saw him do that, that was nuts. I mean, I I think, I think it was like $1,500 if I remember right. Grudge racing, you know, that's another one of those things where if you go to legit grudge races, I mean, you know, some people, they like to play poker. Some people like to play back blackjack. But these people I see, you know, even along the money line at Ducks races, when I'm shooting pictures, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, that's my mortgage payment that this dude just bet on a car that he likes the color. Like, yes, never, (laughs) never mind. He's lined up against the number one qualified car the world record holder he just bet on this other car because he likes the color like that just that does not compute 404 logic not found so i gotta tell you this quick funny story so this is before i had never you know i had only done fun ford weekend nmra nmca nhra stuff i had never ever ever been to a grudge race in my life and it was 2013 um i got i got hired so to speak he just paid my, my my way and fed me, which was good for me at the time. Um, but I was driving for Todd Moyer. I was driving a second Promot car, and it was, I believe it was XDRL is what it was called. Yeah. It was brand, brand new at the time. And so we had gone to Houston Motorsports Park, not not the big raceway, but the, the eighth-mile track, and we were testing. And I'll never forget the owner comes up and tells us, he said, hey, you know, you guys can test, but at 6 o'clock, the gates are going to open and we got a grudge race tonight. And so just letting you know, you guys can stay and still do some testing if you want. And I remember hearing that. So I thought, okay, you know, no big deal. So it, testing never goes as planned as you know. I mean, if, as planned, we were going to be out of there by four o'clock. <laughs> it never goes as planned. So obviously we're there later. And I remember the place started to fill up. And next thing I know, we were completely surrounded by other cars, trailers, and, I look up in this woman and a couple of people that are with her have literally parked in our pit on top of our pit mat. And I remember looking over there going, what are they doing? And she gets out and you can tell she's gathering her stuff and about to lock the car up. And I was like, hello. Oh, you guys still, you guys still racing? I was like, yeah. And she's like, Oh, okay. My bad. And then she moved. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> so, anyways. So the night went on. 
Brian, this place was packed. I have never seen a small track packed like this. And so I kind of mosey on up. So we'd already loaded up our race cars, but we were sticking around because I don't think we could get out. Um, but anyway, so I, I kind of mosey on up there and I'm watching these cars go down the track and the starter and I'm standing, you know, in that area next to the starter. And I said, are the times or the clocks broken? And I, I and he kind of snickered at me, Brian. And I thought, okay, you know, so I, I mean, there's, I mean, the stands are packed. People are betting money. I've never seen anything like this. And so once again, you know, two or three sets of cars go down. And I said, why are the clocks broken? Are they not working? And he looks at me, he goes, are you serious? And I went, what do you mean? And he goes, they don't show the times. This is grudge racing. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> who, who goes to the drag races and you can't tell what these guys are running? This is crazy. And so, but that was my first experience with grudge racing. And I couldn't believe how popular it was. I couldn't believe it was just a whole different crowd that goes to the grudge race. And, and that's really what kind of led me to the street outlaw stuff, to the grudge racing, to the no prep was that atmosphere of, of just so many people in the stands, so many people betting money, you know, just the vibe was totally different, you know, and later on that year we had gone to, I believe uh, we were in Louisiana, no problem, no problem raceway. And every time I've ever raced it, no problem, there's been a problem, yeah. but, uh, but we're at no problem race when I, and I remember that same year, I mean, I was on the property with the baddest in my mind, the baddest pro mod drivers and cars in the country. You know what I mean? In the world. Yeah. And I rolled up there, Brian, to do a burnout for a qualifying. And, you know, I normally don't pay attention to the stands. You know, I don't pay attention to how many people are in the stands. Cause you know, for all those years we raced in NMRA and MCA fun for, there was nobody in the stands anyway. So, uh, but I'll never forget. I looked up in the stands and like, there's nobody there. And I'm like, I, 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 I couldn't grasp it. You know what I mean? Because I'm such a huge fan of pro mod and I couldn't grasp why are, why are there nobody here? And even the other places that we had been to, there really wasn't a huge crowd like what I expected. And, you know, it's just, like I said, it's just sad that even back then the pro mod wasn't what, it needs to be and what it deserves to be. And, you know, hopefully that's changing. You know, I haven't been to a pro mod race in a long time, but um, I mean, just pro mod is such an awesome class. You know, it's, it's not as, as, as cool as NPK, but it's definitely cool. <laughs> it, it, it's funny. You mentioned the clocks being off and that's another thing I kind of chuckle at is when people talk about people that know prep race and NPK that, you know, those guys are slow. There's those guys are slow. No, they used to be. And, not and I get a chuckle because, you know, if you know, you know, you, you get it. You know, if, you, if you're on the inside and you know some of the teams and you've, you know, you know how fast you yep. are. I've yep. seen how fast some of the other guys are. And I chuckle because I'm like, that's on a less than ideal surface. And, oh, pe yeah. and people say, oh, they couldn't compete anywhere else. I'm like, y'all do realize yeah. that this is just as fast as, you know, they, they could put different tires on these cars, make a couple bar adjustments, and be just as fast as any radial car out there. No doubt. There's no ifs, ands, buts about it. Let me tell you right now. And, I, I mean, I'm not giving out no secrets. I'm not going to get myself in trouble. But I'm telling you right now, it takes a low 80 to win an NPK event. Yeah. And if you are not 
running in the 90s, you ain't even going to go around. Maybe go, you might be lucky and make it around, but, you know, if, if you're running 90s, high 90s, if you go two rounds, you're lucky. I, I mean, I'm telling you, it is so competitive nowadays. And, you know, you can say what you want, but, you know, you have big money teams that are in there and so be it. It's no different than any other sanction, any other sports. You're going to have the big money teams. You can't worry about what the next guy makes or what kind of money he's got in his operation. But I can tell you this, it's a huge opportunity for companies to get on national TV. If they just back some of these guys, some of these teams that don't get paid the kind of money that's, you know, the superstars do in, in, in street outlaws, you know, if they just took advantage of getting their name on national, tell me how much it would cost to get your name on the side of a car on national TV as often as you can with back in a street outlaw car. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's what it's going to take. It's going to take more and more of these companies that, that, that open their eyes and, and, and can help some of these teams that don't have the funding maybe that don't get the kind of money that uh, some of the other street all characters get. And I'm not even mad at them. It's just, that's just how it is. That's life. Life isn't fair, you know, but you got to go out and get yours. You have to, and, and there's an opportunity, you know, we have some great sponsors, you know, we have, uh, I had sponsors that have been with us for years. We got some new sponsors and then honestly, we couldn't do it unless we did have the sponsors, but it's never enough. I mean, it, it takes, I can tell you right now, the top five teams in NPK right now are close to million-dollar operations. Oh, yeah. You know, if, if you're in the top ten, you're talking about at least, you know, six hundred, seven hundred thousand 700,000 and up. And, and, but I'm not bitching about it. That's just how it is. That's how any good racing organization, that's what's going to happen. But the difference is we are on national TV almost every week. Do you realize that right now Street Outlaws is 50% of Discovery's programming? Yeah. It's it's the ridi- mean, it's rid- it's the ridiculousness so of Discovery. We, we all, if, if we're involved and we're and we're part of the Street Outlaw uh, family, we all have the opportunity to go out and get those funds that we need. We just got to do it right and take advantage of it whether it be promoting our our brand on social media or whether it be going out and getting sponsors. I mean, it's there. We just have to go get it. You know, don't bitch about how much money Ryan has. Don't bitch about Lizzie and Kai and, you know, those top teams, how much money they make. Don't bitch about it. Go do something about it. And that's what all of us are trying to do. You know, there's some very competitive people in, in, in NPK and man, I love it. I mean, it is just, you know, we but but uh, but once again, we have the opportunity to put any brand company on national TV if they just want to be a part of it. And it's easy, man. But reach out. You know, remember we talked about having your favorite characters. You know, everybody has a favorite character on NPK. They may have one or two. Reach out to those people. They're easy to talk to. Send them a message. Say, hey, man, if you know if, if we gave you, you know five thousand dollars a month or if we gave you five thousand events you know what can that get me you know there's so many guys out there that need some help you know what i mean and and this is a perfect opportunity for for corporate companies or even mom and pop companies to get their brand 
out there on national TV. You ain't going to – the money you spend with the street outlaw, I mean, it's tenfold versus you putting some type of advertisement up. I'm telling you. Well, take it a step further than that. You want to make the best marketing pitch to support any drag – like we'll say a high-level drag racing team, whether it be NHRA, PDRA, NMCA, whatever. But No Prep Kings is a great example of this. With the amount of foot traffic that come through these events, yes. Yes. set up a freaking part of a booth, set set up an easy up by one of their trailers. I guarantee you, you're going to have more looky-loos that will just walk up and, well, what do you got on this table? You got anything for free? Like, that will come yep. up and just touch and just look at what you have going on. Yep. Like, it's, it's that, like, you know, I, a great example, again, is, you know, Disco Dean, you know. I tried to talk to Dean at the Ohio event last year, but every time I went by there, there was like 15,000 people around his rig, either buying shirts or just looking in there to see what's going on. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's got it down, man. He's, he's figured it out and he is definitely doing it right. You know, any of the teams there could do that, you know, walking through those pits, every, like there was always people at every one of your trailers, just looking yes. to see what was going on. Yep. It's not that except for, except for Monza. Because the people that are standing in front of Monza, and you know, I believe it or not, I consider Monza a good friend of mine. But he's funny, man. He, he could be sitting there and tell somebody, "What do you want?" <laughs> I mean, he is just—that's just Monza. You know, they'll come up and they'll say, "Man, that Monza—he's an a-hole." And I was like, "Man, he's really not. That's just him. That's just his personality." You know what I mean? I mean, we all have our personalities, and he is not the 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 one that's going to make you laugh as far as uh, telling jokes and, you know, having a good time. That's just, but that's just Monza. You know, my dad still owns his original Monza. Oh, really? My dad bought that so he could finish the split bumper. Years ago, like dad wanted to buy a Monza and he found one in, in uh, I think it was on racing junk that some guy in Oklahoma was selling. It was exactly what dad wanted. Talked to the guy. He said, yeah, I'm trying to finish up another car. Bought it, had it shipped up to our house. No, I like he sent him pictures of him racing, street racing the car, the whole deal when I had the flames on it. And the show comes out and dad's like, I think the guy that I bought the car off of is on Street Outlaws. I'm like, what really? do you mean? So we start looking at the pictures that Monza sent us and I'm like, oh, there's Doc. There's Daddy yep. Dave. There's Chief. Yep. I'm like, wow. Yep. <laughs> yep. So yeah, dad's actually, we're in the process of, uh, getting ready to take that car out this year. And it's, it's just, it's so funny how the world ties together like that. And people always ask you, how, how do you get the name? Well, yep. dad, dad's got, yep. it's still actively raced to this day. That's, that's cool. Well, well, Mike, I always like before we wind things down to throw a fun little question at my guests, something a little yes. bit out of the ordinary normal. So your oh, scenario, you know. I've had time machines, unlimited bank account questions, all kinds of stuff. But for you, Mike, the world, the Supreme Court has just outlawed Fords and Mustangs. They're all, they all got to go. So you got to pick something new to drive and race. What would it be? Mm, probably a vet. A vet? Yes. Now, now, now the, the important question here is what era, what year make model vet? Um, I want to say a C5. Okay. So uh, we had a 2001. 
2001 Z06, man, I had so much fun with that car. But uh, I would say, yeah, I would say definitely a C5 Corvette. That would be my that would be my car if I couldn't race my Mustang. Very good choice. Definitely a, a fan of the C5s. I would have given bonus points for a C3, you know, the 70s one that look really good when you kind of tub them out. My daughter loves those older Corvettes. It's so funny, man. The newer ones, she's not really interested in, but boy, she loves those older ones that look like they're straight out of the '80s and oh. and early '90s and '70s. Oh, the 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 '70s ones, like you see them in NHRA stock and super stock. Just you know, a set of weld wheels, a nice yep. little hood, big tires on the back, money, perfect car. Yep, yep. <laughs> so that that was my question. That wasn't even hard. Oh. That was too easy. I mean, you know, it, it's funny. I throw those questions at people sometimes, and you, you think I'm asking them to divide by zero. You know, you, you never, you, you never quite know what kind of answer you're going to get, or they, yeah, they've, no they, they've never you, thought you about. You never know. You never know what's going to come out of my mouth. So yeah, I'm glad I. I, I hope, hopefully, I didn't say any too many bad words because I got a really, I got a really bad potty mouth. But I have my wife over here with a cattle probe, and she's buzzing me every time I say something wrong. So. Oh no, no, you, uh, you, you've done great. That, that definitely with our other conversations, <laughs> I, I'm not going to say I was worried, but I was like, I know Mike, so let's see how this goes because it could, you know, it could go either way. So no, you, you get you get the gold star award for uh, keeping it a uh, keeping it network friendly. Awesome. Now, awesome. now your award, of course, at this point is where you get to, you know channel your inner john force when you know he thanks all of his sponsors and everybody else so i'll turn the floor yes. over to you and you can thank you you need to thank tell people what you got going on where they can you know see your sponsors learn your schedule the whole deal so uh, the floor is yours my friend well we have we have so many sponsors that it, it's it's impossible for me to mention them all but we actually include all of our sponsors on our hashtags every time uh, we make a post about the car you know sometimes i make uh, funny posts about stupid stuff and i don't put all that on there but you know the the, the biggest ones this year have been Beansenbach hvac back home uh he's a new relationship that we've gotten in with the last uh two years and man he's just good people family-owned company back there in san antonio uh, uh and so we we have a great relationship with him and uh we call him mr Beasy. and so mr Beasy takes care of us and he's the one that really helped us get the car worked on this year and so he, he's if it wasn't for him we've been able to do it but another sponsor that's been with us for a for a long time and unfortunately uh the owner which was our main contact named barbara hughes from hughes oil field transportation we lost her last year to COVID, and uh but they're still a big sponsor of ours this year and once again if it wasn't for hughes oil field you know uh, taking care of us you know they help us with our fuel which is you can imagine what that bill is this year yeah. um, with, the, with the prices, the way they are. And of course, you know, we have UPR products. You know, Joe's always uh, been, a, been a part of our team for many, many years. And uh, uh, Mark and Joe, you know, I met Mark and Joe, obviously, back the very first Fun Ford Weekend event that I went to in Bradenton many, many moons ago. And so we've been friends ever since and back in 94. And so, uh, but UPR is still a part of our program. Uh, you know, A1 Hose House, Quick Performance is a new one. Uh, Quick Performance handles all of our gear stuff. And, uh, man, they've really taken care of us. Obviously, VP Racing, ISKI, Hubble Race Cars, you know, Hubble built the, the car this year. Uh, you know, Trick Flow is still a part of this this year. You know, we had, we had kind of gotten away from Trick Flow being a part of it, but they back on board this year. But, you know, there's so many 
companies out there that, uh, once again, I don't want to, uh, if I mention them all right now, I'm afraid I might mi- miss a couple and they're all going to be mad at me. But, you know, we couldn't do it with the help that we get from them. And, and hopefully when you come to, you know, Mike Marillo Racing is our Facebook page and you know, we have a YouTube channel also, but uh, you'll be able to see all of our sponsors and we try to do as many shout outs as we can. But uh, it, it's, it's a great thing. But, you know, once again, you know, sponsorship is where it's at. And, and hopefully, you know, we can take advantage of this and, and, and get the help that we need along with the other racers. You know, even with our Team Texas guys, there's a lot of Team Texas guys that need help. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of guys that you know, have more money than us because they have a company, but they're spending so much of their own money to, to come out and stay with uh, this program of this, this, this hellacious schedule that we're on. You know, and so hopefully other sponsors can can take advantage of that, like we talked about earlier. Well, Mike, it's always great to talk to you, and uh, you're going to be coming up to my neck of the woods at least twice this year. So I'm hoping I'll be able to at least stop out, say hi, and uh, ha- have some good times at one of the Ohio stops you guys make this year. Awesome, buddy. I look forward to it. Well, Mike, once again, thanks for coming on the show, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Brian. We'll talk to you later.